0: Put your
1: up. howdy partner howdy mm-hmm. <laughs> trying something new i love the wild west vibes <laughs> i mean we're still in new york i don't know where those vibes are coming from but, but just howdy. lean into it but howdy
0: <laughs> so while you were sleeping instagram <laughs> rolled out some new features yes they did First of all, Instagram reels can now be 60 seconds before the cutoff was 30 seconds. Which is not enough time. Well, really though. Yes, but how often do you watch a 60 second TikTok video? Normally I get bored after like 45 seconds. If those first three seconds
1: hook me, I'm watching all the way through. (laughs) Like for part two. (laughs) Um,
0: But the other thing that Instagram rolled out is now you can see who shared a feed post to their story. I love this and I know you do too. Yeah. And it's interesting because Facebook slash Instagram was talking about removing the functionality altogether to share feed posts to stories because, you know, the argument that it's two different experiences and blah, blah, blah. So
1: it's cool that it's kind of testing the other way now too. I feel like they were listening to social media managers because that's my biggest pain point in managing all the social ladies Instagram is not being able to see who's sharing the posts. And I have to go in manually and see if we were tagged and half the time no one tags us. Right, so definitely um, interested to see
0: how that affects like reporting and numbers. Definitely. Speaking of numbers, (laughs) what you got? Instagram was testing the idea of turning off like counts yeah and they accidentally rolled it out to everybody and then kind of reeled it back in but
1: i'm curious if you would keep your likes on do you care about the likes when you phrase it like do i care it sounds very vain that i'm gonna say yes to this question but i genuinely believe that likes and the count will increase engagement because you want to be like part of the crowd exactly yeah especially when a post is new i mean look at all the people who comment first like (laughs) <laughs> I guess it I mean hashtag first like you know yeah what about you how do you feel
0: I will probably keep them on but I would be curious to see how keeping them off affects influence affects mental health self-esteem yeah. of just people not comparing their posts and their like counts to
1: others I think that's fair it's going to definitely pivot the way the influence network totally expands okay one thing that
0: influencers always do yes have you been seeing on TikTok the outfit kind of rundowns and people are like, my top's from Shein, my skirt's from Shein. I have. <laughs> They're
1: always from Shein. Everything is, Everything is from, from Shein. from Shein. My favorite part is people trying to pronounce it differently.
0: Yeah. Shein. Shein. I ordered a bathing suit, I think, from Shein once, and it was like, I couldn't wear it. It was so small.
1: <laughs> I think what you're getting at here is the popularity of the brand on TikTok alone because there's this stat that says they've garnered 6.2 billion views. The on, hashtag? Yeah, yeah, on the app alone, which is insane. And I feel like the coverage of this brand has kind of infiltrated the world because I mean they're a brand based in China. Yeah and that's why also I feel
0: like when people do their Shein hauls they order a ton of stuff because the shipping time is very long Mm -hmm. and then also you're not going to send it back if it doesn't fit because you pay like what five dollars for a whole outfit. It's more shipping just to send it back.
1: Yeah that's actually really unfortunate to think about. Because fast fashion in general is not sustainable. No. Not at all. And we're going to be speaking a lot about sustainability in this upcoming episode. Earth Day
0: is tomorrow. Earth Day Don't is forget. tomorrow. So we'll be talking to Azora Zoe Paknad of Gold Dune. And if you haven't heard of Gold Dune, it's a brand new marketplace. Literally started during the pandemic. Yes. And it is a marketplace for sustainable home, lifestyle, personal care products, has all the information you need to make an informed decision about what you're buying. So let's get into it. Hi, Zora Zoe. How are you? I'm good.
1: Thanks. How are you? We are good. Welcome to All The Social Ladies Gal Club. We're happy to have you. Very
2: happy to be here.
1: We love to start every episode with something we call the social media speed round. Okay. What is your favorite social network? TikTok. Do you pronounce it gif or jif?
2: that's a good one. I pronounce it GIF (laughs) even though I know technically it's supposed to be GIF. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? Ooh. Oh man. That's so tricky. I looked at one Majuri bracelet once and now I'm I'm getting ads from anyone who's ever made jewelry on earth. Okay. What is your go-to emoji? I don't know the name of it, but there's one that I'm absolutely obsessed with that has like kind of a, like a squiggly unhappy mouth. Like he looks like he's about to get sick or is just like very uncomfy. Yeah. That's my fave.
0: Who is your favorite celebrity to follow on social?
2: Oh man. Okay. Super tricky. I can't think of anyone. I'm blanking. I will say uh, Diane Keaton is amazing and serves great. Like all caps captions. Yes. (laughs) Love that. Okay.
1: Stories or feed? Feed. Hot take. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And then last one.
0: What was your first screen name?
2: Oh my gosh, I don't remember, but I do think that probably it was Zosie Posey, <laughs> <laughs> my nickname is like an eight year old. And I, I'm sure something I unfortunately brought with me well into my teens is like a,
0: a screen name. I love it. I'm picturing like a cute little flower next
1: to it.
2: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's so many ways you can brand the aim
2: away messages. Yes. And I really picture some flowers in there for some reason. <laughs> there was definitely like purple italics. And yeah, it was that was like oh, the yeah. Delia's vibe of the time. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay, let's jump in to the interview itself. We are so dying to hear an origin story from you and about launching a brand during a
2: pandemic. Give it to us. I want the raw uncensored version. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll do my best to be <laughs> to be concise, but obviously <laughs> I could talk about this and my my PTSDs for a million years. <laughs> so before I started Gold Dune, actually, if you want the real, the juicy version, for 5ish years I worked at a company called Food 52, which is like, mm-hmm. oh, amazing. A home and kitchen startup in the content and commerce space. Um, So I was there, you know, five years in startup world is a very long time. I had like six or seven different jobs, did all sorts of things, um, everything from ad sales to trying to open a retail store for the first time like wow. those things not yeah. do not sound like they go together which <laughs> gives you a sense of just how fun of a ride it was but I was there for a long time and you know towards the end of 2019 was feeling ready for like a big life change and I didn't know that 2020 was gonna like shake up life right. for me which is crazy <laughs> so I felt You're like right I needed me. to yeah I, I was like you know let me do something wild myself so I was like I'm okay I'm gonna give like four or five months no Notice to Food 52, and then I'm going to end up traveling the world. And I was so excited. I gave my notice, and then you know, like sublet my apartment, put everything in storage. Oh my (laughs) god! And March rolls around, and I'm like, okay, um, (laughs) I'm not going to Italy as planned. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it's not happening. So I did the complete opposite, and I moved in with my parents. (laughs) which is like literally the most opposite thing from traveling the world ever. But uh, they had just moved and it was in so many ways, a complete departure from New York. So I I definitely got my big life shakeup, but yeah, I I ended up spending a lot of time all of a sudden like going from this very crunched city life where like there was a lot of subway time and like work, work, work and running to and from work and then maybe drinks and it was chaos. And I I was craving something different. And even though this is absolutely not what I was craving, (laughs) I got like the space after all. And in the space, I I think I ended up thinking a lot more, having more time to reflect on things or, or think about what I wanted. And I knew that I really didn't want to start a business. Like I, I was very, very sure <laughs> that it wasn't for me and it wasn't what I wanted to do next. And wow. I, I told myself that all the time. I talked about it with my poor friends who have had to listen to me change my mind a zillion times in the last year. <laughs> so, and... so
0: far, everything you said, you've done the opposite of. Exactly. So I am hear how this goes? <laughs> I know. I
2: feel like we should normalize changing minds because yeah. I, I had to do it a lot, but... Sure. Um, Anyway, I, I was like, no, I, I won't do that. And I think partially it was because my parents are both serial entrepreneurs and I had seen, you know, we see the highlight reel a lot and yeah. like media and on social and even on podcasts and interviews, like it, it sounds so fun and fancy. Yeah, and yeah. there's like the cult of the female founder for sure, right? Where <laughs> we like pedestal these people a little bit. And I, I'd seen mm-hmm. that, but I had also seen my parents struggle with like, okay, how are we gonna keep the lights on? Or like how are we gonna cover payroll? And you know, having wildly successful startups but also ones that didn't work and failed and you know, you had to wrap it up. And so I felt very like attached to some of those harder experiences. And I was like, no, no, like, you know, not now, not in my twenties. Like I can't do that. So <laughs> eventually, what ended up happening was I felt really passionate about an idea. I had an idea I loved so much that I was like never able to actually commit to taking another job. <laughs> I was so obsessed with it; I wouldn't stop thinking about it. And yep. it, it got to the point that I was like, "Okay, like at this point, <laughs> I've already Ideal dedicated energy, my life yeah. to <laughs> the concept. All so I, energy. yep, I might as well actually just start working on it instead of just like thinking about it and how I'm not going to do it. So Gold Dune was born sort of out of that. The actual business, the actual concept behind the business was, you know, at Food52, we did a little bit of product development in the sustainability space, things like silicone straws or silicone Mm. lids that were intended to replace plastic wrap. And I loved working on that stuff. And outside of work, I'd always been pretty into sustainability and I was getting even more so around like 2018, 2019. And the things that were really bugging me or especially started to bug me in 2020 were, it felt like there were two really dominant narratives in the sustainability space. And on, you know, one side of the aisle, we had like influencers who are all like waif-like and white and had these like very fancy beige and pants and yeah, right. homes and that was supposed to be aspirational. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that being aspirational. And I definitely don't fit into that bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there are no $800 pants in my future. <laughs> and then <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, I, I felt like there was a zero waste community and like a zero waste movement that was really intense and really all or nothing. And yeah. that's like not to minimize how hard it is or, or how important it is that people take that on. And I'm, I'm like still a fan. And I definitely tried my hand at going fully zero waste and it's, it's really hard, but I think maybe part of trying my hand at it and and feeling like a little bit othered in that community or like you know it was really all or nothing was it's like it's a huge privilege it takes so much mental space not even like not even to get into money but just to think about having the emotional bandwidth or the time to do a little bit of extra work to save on on plastic or single use packaging, you know, and especially in 2020, with all of the structural inequality and inequities in the US laid bare, I was like, yeah, that is not accessible. Like that that just isn't open to everyone right now. And a a culture of sort of like shame or judgment or all or nothing, or, you know, sort of yucking someone else's yum is definitely not going to get people hyped about making sustainable swaps or sustainable living. And more than all of that to too. I also was feeling like everything was really granola. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, right. And that, that is also not going to get people excited about <laughs> uh, sustainable swaps and sustainable living. So those are all the sort of pain points that, that led me to starting Goldune, And the, the goal was really to create something that was warm and inclusive and led with acceptance and access rather than shame or judgment, but also was fun and, and bright and presented products in home and, and lifestyle and the medicine cabinet that were as fun and functional functional and aesthetically pleasing as their non-sustainable counterparts so that we can make it as easy and as accessible and as fun as possible to start thinking about shopping sustainably and do that all in one place.
1: I love that you're saying making sustainability less beige. I think that hearing you speak about it also unravels this twofold meaning, really. Not only is it you're making something that's a little bit more fun and vibrant exactly the way you just described the brand, but it's also no longer this whitewash type of feeling and it is making it more accessible. And hearing you present that is really cool. I love
2: that. Thank you so much. That makes me so happy. I (laughs) I definitely want that to shine and like, our social and our graphics yeah. and our site, but I think also on the back end we try to really do things behind the scenes in the way we structure our business model or the way we work with partners so that we're we can actually say yeah, we're yeah. an inclusive business sure. and not just posturing, right? So like our assortment, we're really focused on sourcing from women and BIPOC led brands. So we, we're like transparent about the percentages. Right now we're at a, I think 77% women owned or women led brands Amazing. and 42% BIPOC led or owned brands. Um, and and the goal is to get to over 50 by June, which I think we're totally going to hit. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I just want to make sure that, especially again in 2020, starting a business in that landscape, like there's so many companies that were trying to retrofit their businesses for values. And I think as hard as starting a business in the pandemic was, and it was hard, the big pro, right, was like I saw so many examples of what I, I didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah. And I had the privilege of time and, and being able to say, like, okay, here's how we're going to set this up. We're going to set up a company that's actually equipped to exist. And right. this day decade or the 2020 decade and isn't sort of stuck in the past or scrambling to catch up with, you know, where Gen Z and millennials are at.
0: One thing that struck me is going off what you're saying, people in the last year have been more interested and more dedicated to knowing who's behind products that they buy. And when I was scrolling through your Instagram, like something I noticed right away is, you know, seeing the founders or the people behind the products that you carry with Goldoon and. I thought of it kind of like a catalog. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I get to like, like reading the stories. <laughs> 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 like, doing like reading the stories about these people all in one place. It is a lot of work for a consumer, I guess, to, you know. Put the research. Put the in. research yeah, behind yeah, every yeah. single product they buy, especially things that we don't really think about, like glass cleaner and, you know, kitchen
1: supplies. So Or plastic straws for that matter
0: yeah. too. Yeah. So I, I would love to hear about, The thought process behind that and specifically on social media, things that you're doing to shed light on the people.
2: Oh, totally. When I started, I was really focused on sort of that thought around like making life easier for the conscious consumer or for the regular consumer who wants yeah. to be yeah. conscious and how I could do sort of that homework for them so they didn't have to. And that was like such a big piece of like the brand in its early, early baby stages and like nascent pitching to people and trying to explain what I was doing. And over time, I mean, it's really only been six months since we launched. So everything mm-hmm. is still very fresh and new, right? We haven't even been doing this year, but I will say that... I've kind of, that's evolved or that's shifted a little bit. And I think part of why it's shifted is because I originally thought like I would be doing the homework for people so they wouldn't have to do the homework. Right. But the reality is that like, maybe it's not homework people want to do, but there is some fun and discovery and then learning and exploring. And so that's kind of shifted the focus, at least on our social channels or in our emails, or we do a lot of like Q&A is on Instagram stories. Every Sunday, we do a sustainability Q&A where I just answer literally any question anyone wants to ask. It can be about anything or I do lives with experts or people behind the brands. And I just find that people, even if maybe they don't want to have to hunt like out of hundreds of toothpastes for the best (laughs) toothpaste, they could possibly find at their price point, like in a recyclable tube, Mm -hmm. they still are maybe interested in learning more about why we chose that tube, right? Or like what's so cool about it or the innovative materials. And I was definitely prepared to start a commerce business. I don't know if I was prepared for how much it would be a content business, right? It's so different than maybe I I would have thought. I feel like my full-time job is actually creating content One hundred. time.
1: It's funny though, because you mentioned the engagement of the community, like doing the lives and then doing the Q&A questions themselves. What is the response been? Tell me more about that because not only you're making content, but you're taking input from the community that you've generated. Yeah, I definitely,
2: I feel like a lot of brands use the word community. It sometimes gives me the icks, and it definitely <laughs> almost gave me the icks with Goldune, right? Yeah. Like I want to be careful about not calling it a community if it wasn't a community and just like using the jargon in the same way that people have used the word sustainability so much that it, it like doesn't really mean anything anymore. <laughs> it's like, what is it? Um, but <laughs> I will say for like, for just having ripped on both of those words. <laughs> we're we're a, like a community that's focused on sustainability. So it actually kind of did become a community despite my my like- Your best interest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, we're really focused. I think we're, we're mostly based on Instagram and people are, they're definitely like power users and people who are super engaged and who write back to every email oh, yeah. and- on every story and like ask questions. I mean, I mean, at this point, we're super open to having any conversation. So like people will ask about things that we don't sell and obviously we'll answer. Like we want to be helpful and our mission extends beyond just like selling you stuff on our site, right? Like we want to make sustainability less beige, Everywhere, but we actually for Earth Month are finally rolling out like a members-only community on Facebook and a Facebook group. Love that. Yeah, a lot of people have been asking for it, and we finally thought Earth Month was the window, but wanted to do it thoughtfully. And hopefully, I find that like when we do the Q and As, I'm kind of like the intermediary. (laughs) Like people will want to share tips (laughs) with each other, yeah. So they'll DM them to me, so I can post them or respond (laughs) to someone who asked a question. And I'm excited to now actually just have folks who are able to like have a one to one conversation or connect with other people who obviously care about the same things that they do.
1: Well, I was going to ask something about how do you sustain this? Like as a solo entrepreneur and having such a small team, I can imagine through all of these past couple of months, it's been a lot. And especially in the idea that you're have this digital first footprint through social and through your website and e-commerce How are you making it still fulfilling for you and keeping your mental health sane and just sustaining yourself (laughs) overall?
2: I wish I had like a glossy answer or like an amazing coach or therapist I could plug, but (laughs) I I don't know, to be completely honest with you. It's endlessly challenging. I think just tenacity, it is really like an always on 100% of the time job and, every single thing that we put out or we do, it's just really homemade and made from scratch and made on a tight timeline. Mm, And like, it's definitely not sustainable in the long term. So definitely, definitely hoping to be able to hire more folks this year, but I'm not fooling myself. Obviously, even that comes with a new set of challenges. So I try to remind myself, the challenges will never go away. (laughs) (laughs) They'll just change. They'll just be new. Yeah. I wish there was a cleaner answer, but sadly it's, it's sort of
1: the truth. No, I love the realness. You mentioned it at the beginning, people go on podcasts, and are these serial entrepreneurs and are talking about all these amazing woo-woo type of things. (laughs) And sometimes it's really not that. You have to look under the hood. And I love hearing that. And your ability to share that is nice to hear. Thank you. I I definitely feel like people
2: aren't honest. (laughs) about about They talk about it in very vague terms. And I I think for the first few months, I honestly felt very, very alone in the sense that I didn't have a co-founder or like a life partner who was like in my journey Mm -hmm. or asking about my day. And I will say, I I really wish that more people were like, no, (laughs) it's really hard. It sucks most of the time. I was
0: going to say, how was your day? We can be those people. (laughs) (laughs) So I've actually been doing a lot of research lately on like the different labels on food of, you know, what is organic? What is sustainable? What is natural? There's so much jargon (laughs) out there. What are the most important things to think about when making purchasing decisions if you want to be a little bit more sustainable?
2: Great question. Ooh, I love that question. Specific to food or just in general? In In general. I think it's super, super tricky. So one thing that we rolled out this month is uh, sustainability spectrum. (laughs) I felt like people treat sustainability like Mm -hmm. it's binary. Like they're like, this is good for the environment. This is bad for the environment. And like a lot of other things that people pretend are binary, I don't think sustainability is. So we rolled out a spectrum and now we actually have like a little spectrum that we've put into every single product page so that at a bird's eye view at a quick glance, you can tell quickly where something that's out mm-hmm. on our sustainability scale. And if you want to dig deeper and like read all about how it was manufactured, <laughs> you can keep going. And I think for me, that was partially in response to that. It is actually super tricky to tell people what to look for, right? It's so product dependent. Yeah, yeah. It totally depends on where you're shopping, what you're looking for, the standards across the bar for toilet paper. And makeup remover and slippers are all very different, right? So I I didn't want to oversimplify by like giving something a stamp or a seal or like, I thought a quick read on the spectrum would be useful. But if you are looking for something, and if you can, starting small is always a great start. So like Mm -hmm. shopping small, shopping woman or woman of color owned is a really easy way to at least know that you're you're stick and then the more details you can get about sustainability or the more details you can get about materials or manufacturing or the more the more transparent they are generally Mm -hmm. the better something is I can't remember who it was who shared that point of view with me that makes sense yeah if someone is bragging loudly about sustainability they have a lot to lose usually from being called out for being wrong or lying so typically if someone is telling you that and there seem to be receipts and happy customers you want the product that's generally a good place to start I had never thought of it that way and I think I'm also a little paranoid about greenwashing but Mm -hmm. if you don't have time to do the homework yourself and you don't want me to do it for you my recommendation would be to actually just see who's talking about sustainability and who's talking about sourcing or who's talking about their founder story and what resonates with you or feels authentic
1: that's a really really good point So you mentioned Earth Month already. I would love to talk more about Earth Day. I know we are very excited because this episode is going to be coming out the day before. So tell us really how you are. This is going to be the brand's first Earth Day. How are you (laughs) celebrating? (laughs) Um, What are you bringing to life? What are you excited about? great
2: question um we're treating we're, we're rolling it out for all of earth month so this feels like our super bowl i was but, like why stop at a day let's yeah, do it right. Right, yeah. but i think that like it goes without saying obviously for us it's a year-round commitment <laughs> and
1: i think one of the things but, you know, i'm why most excited celebrate it for enough... just one month yep i know i know <laughs>
2: I'm all about Earth Day. Or- <laughs> <laughs> we rolled out so many things in April for Earth Day slash month. We're dropping products at the end of the month, so they won't be live yet when this episode airs. But hopefully, the very very end of April, you'll uh-huh. see more stuff from us. But we rolled out that community for folks who really do want a safe and a warm and a non-judgmental place to be curious about climate and sustainability. Mm-hmm. And truly, everyone is welcome there. Um, and it's not it's not a marketing place. Like there's it's product agnostic. We don't talk about sales we don't talk about product it really just is yeah. community first we also rolled out a really cool circularity and buyback program so we're now officially expanding the the reach of products that will fully take back from you and that are 100% closed loop and zero waste wow amazing Ooh. yeah I'm, I'm super proud of that especially as a really small business it's obviously just doing regular business is complicated but adding <laughs> that in, yeah but yeah, I don't know. I, I think we at the end of 2020 sat down and we're like, okay, we had a fun two months in business, but like, what are we going to do in 2021 and how can we really nail it? And the start and the end of that conversation was all sustainability focused, right? So like, how can we create really honest <laughs> sustainability programming and, and really clear sustainability programming? So this month we're we're dropping all of that. And that includes the new spectrum and rating system. And that includes, you know, community mutual aid programs where we're able to donate products and essentials to climate refugees and victims of climate catastrophes. And that includes the group and, and all of this great mm-hmm. stuff sort of falls into that new sustainability hub. No, I'm, I'm really excited about all this stuff. And I'm really just so proud that it's such a teeny tiny team and a teeny tiny business. And we're so scrappy and haven't raised any funding yet. And we're, we're just trying to crank it out and be the kind of biz we wish existed. I wanted to ask, um, I saw that
0: you were on a Clubhouse <laughs> panel recently Yes. on the Gold Dune Twitter. And we actually haven't talked about Clubhouse at all on the podcast because it came out in between last season and this
2: season. That is so crazy that it's been such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah.
0: so I want to hear what your experience was like. And, you know, I've listened in here and there. I wouldn't say I'm hooked on Clubhouse yet. So tell me what your thoughts were.
2: Ooh, so I've done a bunch now and, and I feel mixed. So as a listener, I do feel that it kind of replicates some of the... I almost want to say, like, some of the boardroom experiences that I don't like or I Mm -hmm. have not loved where, like, men are very quick to interrupt women, to mansplain. Uh, There's so much peacocking. I I don't love that energy, and I don't love that I'll be in a room full of brilliant women and then a man will enter and ask a really condescending, really off-base question and (laughs) be mad about the answer or something like that. Like, I don't love that part. I will say, as a, a small business owner, it's a really amazing tool, and I have gotten to meet and talk with a lot of people who are super interesting who weren't accessible to me before then. And that is awesome. And I think it's sort of, I guess it's not dissimilar from TikTok or any other social media platform. And that over time, you just, you refine your niche and you find your corner. So like my corner is female founders, like women of color who are doing really cool, creative things or starting businesses or, you know, bestowing their wisdom upon us and like getting to all have a group convo. That's, that's what I love about it. And that's why I'm there because I love podcasts. And so having a live one is great,
0: I definitely don't think you're alone in that observation, though, of kind of the male dominated. I mean, peacocking was the perfect word. Um.
1: (laughs) I hate to end this. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I mean, is there any last words that you want to encourage our listeners to do for Earth Month as we wrap it up? Ooh, thank
2: you so much. First of all, this has been so fun. (laughs) Um, There's one thing, I guess, obviously, I would love it if you checked out Gold Dune, if you haven't heard of us. And if that's exciting to you, or you want like a less granola place to explore sustainability. Hi, (laughs) we're here (laughs) for you. (laughs) But beyond that and beyond shopping sustainably or trying to throw money at the problem or trying to like incrementally be a bit of a better person, I think that the biggest tip that I could give to anyone is to read and to try to stay involved, whether it's like subscribing to one or two newsletters about climate or, you know, following someone on Twitter or reading a book. I mean, we do a book club every month and the books are always super pleasant, really, really great reads almost always woman or woman of color authored. Um, but if you just read one of them, like that's, you're at such a different place. And I think staying aware and like involved and active in climate and climate policy on a global scale mm-hmm. is the best thing you can do and infinitely more important.
0: I love that answer. Hell yeah. Well, we will see you at book club then. Thank you
1: guys so much. I found it really interesting how she was speaking about it being a content business and not a commerce business. Yeah, I feel like definitely
0: in an industry or a category like sustainability, people might not know they need to buy a compost bin. You have to teach them what a compost bin is, how to use it, the impacts of it. So that content and that education is so important
1: to get people to even consider buying the product. Right. And I mean, look at you. You're ready to buy a compost bin tomorrow. I've always been ready. (laughs) Okay, so aside from following Gold Dune on all of their social channels, we have a suggestion for how to continue the involvement for Earth Day and the growing sustainability movement. So Adweek
0: did a survey and only 20% of respondents actually said it's important for brands to advertise the holiday of Earth Day, which is... Such a lower Low than number. I thought. Yeah, but I feel like for some brands and for some industries, if it's part of who you are, you have to. It makes sense. Um, so silk, which is you know the non dairy milk, soy milk. Do they have almond milk too? They, they have all do. kinds of milk. Yeah, lots of milk. Lots of <laughs> lots of milks, but they are offering eco counseling sessions for free, turning warriors into warriors that's an o to an a <laughs> if you can't hear that right but yeah they are having these group sessions for people to talk about their fears and their anxieties around climate change and then they're teaching you how to use your voice to empower change so pretty cool which goes back to the advice
1: we just heard about just doing it thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you later
0: the All the social ladies, all the social ladies, all the social ladies, all the social ladies. Now put your phones up.